0: Hi friends, I'm Paige and I'm Abby, and welcome to a Love Like This podcast. Well guys, it's officially our third episode of this podcast and today we are joined by our incredibly inspiring and supportive dad, Terry Johnson. In this episode, we delve into a select few of the 85 principles which guide his life. From centering successes around internal gratification as opposed to external validation to having a structured miracle morning focused on gratefulness. Through attending 11 different schools, working in our late grandfather's fruit shops, raising us four kids and running his own successful business, he has been blessed with a wealth of beliefs and values which he calls his rules for life. Today he wants to give the immense amount of knowledge and experience to all of us. Before this episode does start though, we just wanted to acknowledge and say a huge thank you to everybody who left us a review from Ellie, Darlene and Emma Russell. Thank you guys so much. With all that said, please pull up a chair, get outside and join us as we sit down with our dad by the campfire to discuss how his rules for life can bring you closer to humility and happiness. Enjoy. We're excited to have you. And we're outside by the fire right now, so if you hear any external sounds, that's what that is. But it's cool, right?
1: So cool. Yeah, we are outside, so you might hear the crackling of the fire and some birds in the background, but that's where we live. It's out in the rural settings of Sydney.
0: Okay, Dad, we're going to start with an icebreaker. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. List three things that you love.
1: Three things I love. Well, that's pretty easy. Three things are obviously my family, my beautiful wife, Rachel, And my four children, Mia, Ben, Abby, and Paige. I'm so incredibly proud of them. The second thing on the list would have to be America. I love our road trips in America and our family (laughs) holidays together. They're the best. And the third thing would have to be, I'd say, golf. Because I've been playing golf for 40 years now, and I love it so much.
0: That's good. I thought that'd be all your answers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty obvious, right?
0: Yeah. So, Dad, in our last episode we spoke about how you're really passionate about your miracle mornings can you tell us what your mornings look like and why do you do your miracle mornings
1: what do i do them? well my mornings start as early as i humanly can i seem to be in a routine <laughs> where i wake up way before the sun rises so anywhere between 4 30 and 5 30 in the morning and um and i have a routine that i stick to every morning and i've learned to do it over over a few years now and um and my day just doesn't feel right if I don't do it. I found that when I was doing it now and again, the days that I did it, I felt really good. I felt clean. I felt like I'd already accomplished something before I even started my day. And then I thought, I wonder if I could just do this every day. And when I started doing it every day, every day seemed to get better and better and better.
0: What does your morning consist of? Like, give me some ideas. Before your injury happened.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a sore back and I've been able to walk properly for a month, but um so my morning starts, like you girls, with a coffee. Mm. It is high priority. <laughs> I then go out to where I sit every morning, where I have my my gratitude journal, and also all the stuff I keep there for my morning routine, like my Bible and my life rules, my morning prayer that I've written out. Mm-hmm. And, and I go from there. I, I stick to the same routine every single morning. So I thought, I'm going to get... A journal printed a personalized journal printed and um and it's basically it lists out all the things i have to do and there's checker boxes to make sure that i do them so up until a month ago when i hurt my back every single morning it consisted of my normal stuff like my my prayers and my bible reading a thing i call two chairs which i'll talk about later on but then mm-hmm. it had a series of exercises as well um, so i'm not a gym junkie that's for sure but i understand the importance of Doing a little bit every day.
0: You said something about your life rules and our family knows for sure that you do live by, how many life rules do you have? Is it 85?
1: I've got about 85 life rules, which sounds incredibly significant, but.
0: Yeah. And I think I remember we did this, I don't think it was last trip in America. I think it was a trip before. Remember how our whole family was sitting by the table Mm. and we all wrote out, like read out some life rules that we had. Mm. Anyway, so touching on your life rules, like, can you tell us some of them?
1: What happened ever since I was 18, I I've been studying self-help. I've been reading books and in the last few years I, I used to listen to cassettes back in the day and I'd always constantly try and learn and better myself and almost every day I listen to podcasts. I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to pick up that little thing that can make me a better person. So eventually I got to the point where it was like paralysis by analysis. There was too much going on. I'd learned too much and I, mm. I couldn't figure it all out. So I, I decided one day when... And this is i think very important where you need to take time out of your life like out of your business out of your routine where you've got clear headspace um you've got to be very relaxed and you need the time to do it so one day when we're in america i i set aside a whole day to write out i went through my memory banks and some material i had and I, i wrote out 85 life rules that i committed to sticking by they set out the parameters and the rules that i have to live my life by and i reckon if you can stick to these rules You'll have an incredible life.
0: Dad shared with us his notes that he took for this podcast and I think the first one wasn't about happiness. Yeah. Can you read that one? Because I love that
1: one. All right, so it took me years, years. I'm fifty, so I I spent probably the first 40 years trying to strive and get bigger and better and make more money and you know, always looking out for more and more and more like typical people of the world, you know. I it was like that. I suppose it's when you've got four kids and you, you know, you've got to look out for them, you're trying to work harder and harder and, and you look towards people that you you kind of look up to and see what they've got and what they're doing and you try and, you know, try and get to that level. What I worked out that the, the absolute ultimate goal for anybody is happiness and a feeling of joy as often as possible. I reckon we're not just here to survive, aren't we just all here to constantly try and achieve happiness? So one of my life rules, probably the first and the biggest one, is that happiness is not a destination. It's a state of mind. Happiness is happening all around you, or should I say it can be, if you're aware of it. Mm. And in particular, if your happiness has its foundation in gratitude. The way I figure it, it's it's like a house. You know, houses are built on slabs of concrete here in Australia. It gives it stability and everything from the slab is added up on top of it you know, the bricks, the everything. So for me, forms the foundation of your life goals and what you want to get out of life and in particular, how you feel. You know that that feeling where you always want more, you can't work enough hours, you're never content, you're always wanting bigger and better. You want a bigger home, you want a better Mm. job, you want more money, you want more status. And, you know, this is the way I spent most of my life. And and the funny thing was that I never seemed to get there. And then when I did, it wasn't fulfilling for some reason. But Mm. when I changed my measure of success to being grateful and happy, it all came, and it came fast. I learned about gratitude from my wife, Rachel. She um, she forced me. She identified that I was always in that state of wanting more and I wasn't happy. And, and she made me write out a gratitude journal for a month. And that started me on my journey. So I'm forever grateful to Rachel.
0: Why do you think keeping gratitude journal or why do you think having the attitude of gratitude is so important? Because we kind of touched on this last week.
1: Okay. so. Being grateful, like I said, forms the foundation of everything. And I, and the reason is that if you're grateful for the things that you have, even the small things, it, it means that at any point along your journey, you're going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Because you're grateful, you can see things. You can see the trees, and if you're grateful for them, if you're grateful for the fact that you've got your health or your your kids are healthy or you've got an iPhone, you know, be grateful for it. Mm-hmm. This stuff is it just doesn't come mm. to everybody in the world so be grateful
0: that's so true i feel like it's so easy for everybody to forget as well because like was dad like dad was saying like how many people just stop and are grateful because everyone's always trying to seek more and do more mm. in the everyday and they don't just stop to mm. be grateful i'm guilty of it too
1: but the funny thing is the ultimate goal is to be happy mm. right so people think they need to acquire wealth and acquire things to be happy mm. but imagine if you're happy along the journey
0: things start to change and Dad, can you tell us about your two chairs thing? That's Wait. something I want to know too, because I don't know a lot about <laughs> it at all, but I know no. you and me, I don't shut up shut about up it. Shut up about it. So I'm curious to know, What's what's two chairs?
1: Okay, so two chairs is something I picked up from, a. Um, it's called the Zig Ziglar podcast, which is Zig Ziglar was an American motivator, entrepreneur, um, sales trainer. He was an incredible guy, but very, very rooted in Christian faith. And one of the guests they had on their show was a guy, guy called Bob Bodine and he wrote a book called Two Chairs. I always thought religion had to be formal like you had to say you know 10 Hail Marys or 10 Our Fathers to be a good person you know and the more more of those you could say the the fonder God thought of you. (laughs) It was so weird looking back but but two chairs basically put you in a place and it fits very well into a morning routine where you've got quiet, especially where you're, you're basically praying, but you're talking to God or Jesus like he's there with you. Mm. Right. So when I do mine, I actually put my hands out mm. so I can somehow try and sense Jesus next to me. So. Mm. <clears throat> and you, you, you ask boldly for what you want. You talk to him like he's your friend. You're thanking him for things that have gone right in your life or even wrong in your life. And, and then you ask. The deal is you shut up and then listen. Mm-hmm. You listen deeply, and He'll tell you what, what the answer will be. Mm-hmm. So if you're faced with a big decision, and you've got to have faith to do this, you've got to have a very, very clear conscience and clear soul, but you you ask boldly and listen for the answer.
0: That's so, that's so cool. Because I think about it, how many people just pray and ask for things and then say amen and walk away and just expect it. I'm guilty of that too. I don't give Him the time to talk back to me, or I don't give myself enough like time to listen either. Mm-hmm. And Dad, what about your life all about FOMO?
1: Because I read that one about that.
0: Yeah, I I struggled with FOMO (laughs) (laughs) a while ago. Not so so much anymore, but a lot of people do. Yeah. Mm,
1: So I guess I, I had, I, always had FOMO. You know, I really did. Like, I was the sort of person that if I didn't get invited somewhere, I'd feel pretty left out and like I wasn't loved. And, and it kind of, after a while, I guess it affects your confidence. And I think, I think that having FOMO is, is, and it's one of my life rules is FOMO is the root cause of wasted time, wasted energy and saps your happiness and, and joyfulness. You know, you know what it's like. And, and I guess your audience is mostly the younger people. So they, they get affected by FOMO the, the worst. Mm. And I guess FOMO is, is a place where you really, it stems from not being confident in yourself, right? So if you're, if you don't if you don't get invited to a party, for instance, you know, there's a couple of ways you can take it, I guess. You can either say, well, it must be me. I must be fat. I must be ugly. I must not be popular. Mm. They obviously don't like me. you know. And your mind runs off with it. And your mind does that. It's the way the human mind is built. It goes to the, to the safe place and, to, and the secure place. But, but if you identify it and, you know, you've got, to, you've got to have a circuit breaker where you think, why didn't they invite me? And you think to yourself, well, maybe it's just that person. Maybe they just don't like me. So be it. But that's where the confidence kicks in. Not everyone's going to like you, and mm-hmm. it's a really hard fact to, fact to face. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to like the color of your hair or your color of your eyes, or they might be jealous.
0: What do does FOMO you... mean again? Fear of fear missing, missing out. out. The fear of missing out. Just clarifying. <laughs> some people might <laughs> saying, not know what that means. <laughs> <people>. <laughs> you know how last week, Dad, we spoke about how loving the five people closest to you can change everything for you and your faith? What do you think, because you have a similar life well, I know this, about the you become, what is it? You become the average of the five people you hang around. Is that it?
1: Yeah. So, again, as one of the learnings. I think I picked it up from, it was on the Ziegler podcast. I apologize if I don't credit this properly. But um, basically, and it's a proven fact that you become the average of the five people you hang around most. And I'm just lucky I've got five incredible people that I hang around the most. Yeah. Aren't <laughs> I agree with nice. no,
0: <laughs> what did he say <laughs> joke something <laughs> Oh my gosh, Dan.
1: <laughs> no so I, I, the best way to put it is this and and you've got to remember that in my life I I went to a lot of different schools you know I went to 11 different schools in 10 years so every year I tended to have a new bunch of friends as it turns out this this rule is absolutely true mm. so I guess if you if you surround yourself with dimwits say so you had friends at school or whatever and you know, deep down, you know they're not the right kind of people. You you know they're a bit shallow, and you know they're they're not they haven't got the same core values of you as you. But they're popular, so you want to hang around them, mm. right? I'm going to call them dimwits. If you hang around them more and more, guess what? There's a massive chance you're going to become a dimwit yourself. Yeah. You're going to start acting differently. You're not going to be your true self. Um, when you're with them, it might feel all right, but deep down something doesn't feel quite right. And then later at night when you're lying in bed thinking about your day and you think, mm, you know, it's not the right thing. Over time, guess what? Your your personality will change that much that you will become one of those people. You will become a dimwit. So you've got to be yeah. very, very careful who you hang around. Mm. I choose to hang around incredible people, you know, I, apart from you guys and my family, but I surround myself now with you know, people that I look up to in life, mentors. I've got a select bunch of people. They don't even know it probably, but I call on them when I need them and they're there to help me out. These people are, you know, their, their root is of spirituality and mm. and experience. And some of them have, you know, been on their deathbed. One of my friends in particular, Peter, he, he was given days to live. He had stage four cancer. It was throughout his entire body. And he somehow miraculously survived it. They don't know how the doctors are astounded but someone like Pete I speak to him once a week you know and he 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 teaches me lessons that you can only learn from people that have been to that point in their life like mm. he's lived an incredible life and you know he sends me photos of of, of his morning walks of flowers and just weird stuff that not many <laughs> other people would actually recognize mm. but because of his experience and the fact that it, he shouldn't be here. He appreciates things like crazy, the yeah. smallest things of all. You know, people like that, my friend Godfrey Phillips, who you know, he teaches people from all around the world. And and um, I've got access to these people through the Million Dollar Roundtable, which I'm a part of, and I'm so grateful. But best of all, the person I choose to surround myself is my wife, Rachel. She's literally the wisest, kindest person that I know and probably the most patient person of all oh, as well. I was going to
0: ask Dad about like, his morning walks with Mum. So, yeah. Mm. And you go on morning walks with mum.
1: Yeah. So on my, on my daily checklist, one of the things is a morning walk with my wife. And there's only been a few days in, in the last three years that we haven't done it. Even with my sore back, I have mm. to ride my bike now, but I still get out there. <laughs> so I guess, I guess like if you're, if you're married, everyone says it, but communication is the key to a happy marriage. And it's so true. Like we get out and we just talk about anything. We talk about the kids, we talk about, you know, Rachel debriefs me on her, the last day at work and what happened in her special needs class that she teaches I'm like her sounding board and I just sort of sit there and listen she does most of the talking you know mum <laughs> yeah but I just listen and and then we talk about you know some of the trips that we've done to America and and then we talk about how grateful we are for it and, and then we talk about our next upcoming trips and it always ha- you always have a sense of excitement you know mm. and something to look forward to if, if if you don't talk to your partner you know human nature kicks in and you start getting suspicious your brain goes down that track of the worst case you know and but talking about it talking about anything anything um mm. starts to build even more and more trust and love between each other
0: also dad i know you and me are first you guys were kind of like the first before paige and i became christians you know how you guys used to listen to joel mm. osteen i read something on your <laughs> life rules the notes that you sent me talking about setbacks and how setbacks mm. are actually ups.
1: Mm. okay so what's your view on that yeah, so my daughter Mia, years ago, she sent me this podcast to listen to. It was Joel Olstein And I'm like, really? I don't listen to this. It's one of those American evangelists, you know? And, <laughs> and and although I don't listen to Joel all the time, at the start of my Christian journey, I suppose, a few of the lessons that he taught really impacted me. And one of them was a setback is a setup, And I really didn't understand it at the time. But, but as over the last five or six years, I've, I've started realizing, you know, when I do my morning routine, I reflect on things. And I think um, when you look back, on your life and I guess it's harder for younger people because they haven't had that much to go back on but as you get older you start to realise that things seem to happen for a reason Mm -hmm. I didn't realise it at the time but I do now I know why So I'll I'll give you an example is that okay?
0: Yeah of course
1: All right. so my dad passed away when I was pretty young when I was 18 and it was an absolute shock I mean he died suddenly of a heart attack never got to say goodbye and in actual fact we left on pretty bad terms you know like we, we worked in a business together in a fruit shop and it was incredibly hard work. And, you know, as a young kid, you you don't really want to be working 70, 80 hours a week. I, I left the fruit shop, um, which made my dad need to work harder. So instead of getting up at 5 o'clock, he had to get up at 3 o'clock. And, you know, that put extra pressure on him. So I carry a lot of guilt because I, I'm i not sure, but maybe that's what triggered his heart attack. I don't know. At that time, that was the, like, the most incredible incredibly sad thing that could ever possibly happen to a human. I was absolute victim, you know, it was, why me? And, you know, I was just sad, you know, I was just very, I don't know, I, I went very quiet for a lot of, for a long time. And the fact is, when you look back, the, when my, my dad passed away, so I needed a new job. And that led me to becoming an apprentice electrician. When I was doing my apprenticeship at TAFE, which is a technical college, I met a friend. And that friend got me a job in a nightclub you know so we used to work during the week and then work friday and saturday nights to make extra money and at that nightclub is where i met my wife rachel 27 years later 30 years later now but married for 27 and four incredible children when you look back all those things that happened along the way the things that i thought were horrible the things that i i thought why me they actually join up the dots all join up and get you to where you need to be Trick is you've just got to identify these things when they happen that they're happening for a reason pretty hard to do sometimes but they are
0: with your life all about they're 100 responsible for everything, everything that happens mm-hmm. to you talk to us about that one
1: all right so again this was this was one that I learned and it was pretty hard hitting because obviously things happen to you which are out of your control right absolutely it happens to everybody but a lot of the things that happen to you you are responsible for what I figured out was that if you if you have a mindset that everyone else is responsible for things that happen to you Like if you lost that job or if you lost that football game or, you know, you lost that friend, whatever, you can blame and the simplest thing in the world is to blame somebody else. But the people I find that take responsibility for things like that are the the most successful and the happiest. The reason is you're not a blamer, right? The, The world is... The world's absolutely full of victims and victim mentality. You know, it's so easy just to blame other people or things that are happening in the world. But you know, you are responsible. You've got a choice in what happens to you. So, if when things happen, don't go looking for anybody to blame, whether it be God or whether it be your circumstances or whether you think your family's poor or things like this will always happen to you. Just, I, I suggest look in the mirror first. And what what we do, what I learn in our business, we have some clients that are pretty mean. You know, and what we decided to do was logical about it so if a client rings up and they've got some sort of problem they're mean to us and we used to just take it on poorly you know we'd get upset we'd we'd start you know um, blaming each other we'd start blaming the environment whatever it was just a blame mentality and to be honest nothing really good came from it. it didn't solve the problem it just made us feel terrible what we do now we look at what's happened And we identify whether firstly it was our fault or whether it was somebody else's fault if it's our fault we man up take responsibility for it we say yep it was us we screwed up and we fix it we ring the client we we just fix the problem we just hit it head on and we get it over and done with as quickly as we can in a in a kind um, respectful manner but on the other side if it's not our fault we tell the person that it's their fault it's not our fault and but we do it again in a respectful manner that usually fixes the problem it's done and dusted the more, the more you dwell on these things and the more non-communitative you become, the worse these things become both in your mind and the actual problem itself can get worse and worse and worse. Just fix it, man up, hit it head on and have the attitude that, yep, yeah, I'm 100% responsible for everything that happens to me.
0: Dad, that's probably a common thing in your age group and business life too, but I think that's such a common thing, particularly, I mean, probably young guys, I don't know if guys are the same, but particularly like teenage girls. mm I don't know why when drama stems or something, a negative situation happens, people tend to not take the blame for certain situations. It's mm. always, you know what I mean? Like they always try and impose it on other people, like as mm. if they cause the problem. So I like what you said about how you're 100% responsible for everything that happens to you. And I feel like that kind of fits in with the way perspective wor- works in a situation where we can think that everything around us is happening for a reason or whatever that is, but Taking control of how we think also happens with um like our perspective on certain situations, if that makes sense. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean?
1: Yeah, look in the mirror first. Yeah. Look in the mirror first and see whether you can fix it. it. Might be the people you're hanging around, maybe they're the wrong crowd. And if that's the case, it's not gonna get any better. It's probably gonna get worse and you're gonna it's gonna change you as a person, which leads me to my next life rule. Of, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. This this is in a book by a guy called um, Benjamin Hardy, PhD. Again, it was from the Ziglar podcast, and I ended up buying his book. and And it's basically change your environment, or your environment will change you. What it means is, again, if you start hanging around the wrong kind of people um, for long enough, you will change, mm-hmm. right? So, if it again, if it doesn't fit with your core values and your ethics, get out of there. Change your environment. It's like um, it's like when you guys were at school, you know, in that in that terrible school where you're getting bullied and picked on and everything like that. I guess most people's attitudes are, stick it out, you know, hang in there, hang tough, you'll fight through this.
0: Yeah. And we thought we could do that at one point.
1: Mm. And that, that's how I was brought up, you know, do it, like face it. Mm. But the reality is sometimes you've got to change your environment. I mean, everyone else around you is not going to change. You cannot change their attitudes and the way they, they act. So I'm so proud of you girls. And I don't know how you found that school, but you did. And you moved schools, you changed your environment and as a result, you were changed. So again, change your environment or your environment will change you. Simple, practical way is if you're trying to lose weight, don't have chocolates in your pantry.
0: Coming from you,
1: <laughs> I know, right? Are you waiting for me to say something, like, mate? Like, oh my okay, God. okay, so once I get back on my diet, yeah. right, it's going to be a case of if it's not in the pantry, you're not going to be tempted because willpower doesn't work. Willpower yeah. is fallible. Willpower takes a lot of energy and a lot of temptation to overcome. Imagine if the chocolates aren't even there. You don't need to rely on willpower because there's no, nothing there to try to have willpower for. Another one of my life rules is, is obviously it's based around being self-confident. And again, it took me years and years and years. I was the typical person that needed external gratification from someone else to feel like I was successful. Mm. So my life rule is don't ever look for external gratification from someone else. Most don't care and the others are usually jealous. I'll give you an example. If you Say you've got a job, right, and you're working really hard, you're trying your best, but your manager, say a ladder climber, your manager is not really there for you at all there for the business. They're there for themselves, mm. right? So you work really hard and you come up with this incredible idea. You, your self-worth is based on that manager coming up to you and saying, great job, well done,
0: mm.
1: right? Imagine if they don't. Imagine if they take that idea and run with it and they, they take it up to their manager and And they get the credit for it. Yeah,
0: it's always like the same kind of thing with whole, like, Instagram. It's like, oh, that person didn't comment on my photo. That must mean this. Mm, Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Do not look for external gratification for your self-worth. Self-worth is, again, a foundation principle. You've got to have self-worth or else you've got nothing right? Mm -hmm. So like, it's always nice to get a pat on the back, you know, and great job, well done. It might make you feel good, but it's got to be, you've got to be, you know, happy within yourself that you've done a good job. And that's where you need to get your measure of success from. If you wait for other people, it may not come, which means you may not be happy or satisfied or or feeling like you've Mm -hmm. accomplished. Mm -hmm. So go deeper, be very clear on on your self-confidence. You don't have to be a You know, you don't have to be over-the-top confident and loudmouth or anything like that, but be internally confident.
0: I think that's something... I mean, I don't want to say I struggle with that, but I think I don't give myself enough time to, like, think about, like, what... Like, you know what I mean? Like, listing out these are my values this is where my self-confidence comes from. And obviously my confidence comes from my relationship with Jesus. But like, I feel like I don't give myself enough time to think about mm. where my self confidence is coming from mm. and then placing kind of like my morals and my values mm. and things that I believe based upon that. But then actually like living that out kind of thing. I'll mm. just like go throughout my day and just go mm. with the wind sometimes forgetting mm. my self like forgetting mm. everything that I thought about, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. And, and well, I'm 50, and I only only set these life rules a few years ago. But it took me 50 years to learn them. Yeah. If, if you can, at some point, next time we're in America, have you know, just take time out and use that time to think really deeply about, you know, things like life rules. You don't need 85 of them. Mm. You might need five of them mm-hmm. that you have to stick to, and these are you can't bend. But one of them might be don't look for external gratification from others to, for your happiness because it may not come. They might have their own agenda. They might be jealous of you. They're not going to give it to you. They, they might love seeing you struggle. Some people love seeing you struggle. They, 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 they find joy in that somehow. We don't. So don't rely on other people. Rely on yourself.
0: Okay, then. So with all these life rules, like in your mind, in your heart, if Mm. there was one thing that you could say to Mm. us kids for the last time, or you Mm. wish your dad told you this for the last time or whatever, Mm. I know it's a hard question, but (laughs) what, what would you say?
1: That is probably the hardest question I've ever been asked. It's just, I, what I wish, I wish, and this is why, why half the reason I've done all this, half the reason I've written out my life rules and half the reason why i will be writing a book based around them with the stories that go along with each life rule yeah that'll be here in the next couple of years but it's on my to-do list it's on my goals and dreams and aspirations list and it will happen there's not one thing what i what i would do is leave you guys with my life rules and the stories behind them so you learn from them Mm. i don't want and i don't see the reason why people have to go through life making the same mistakes as i made been so many incredibly smart wise people like Jesus like all the people we looked up to in our life they've done it just listen listen and learn and like I probably did is learn deeply to the point where you write them down and you structure your life based around them so I'm going to leave you guys with a set of life rules that I'd love you to pass on to like to live by and then to pass on to your kids no there's not one thing there's actually 85,
0: 85. this <laughs> that's so good well thanks dad for being on our podcast and having this conversation with us you're such an inspiration of page and I. and dad you're just such a good person <laughs> to your core and that's so rare to find these days but really you're such an amazing person and you're such an inspiration of and I and our entire family and the way you walk through life with such um a humble heart and just such a good mentality towards everything thanks dad Bye. we love you daddy hi you all so much for listening in on this week's episode we truly hope you enjoyed it listening to our dad and everything that he has shared he truly is one of the most humble people we know and he's taught us to be the best people we absolutely can be thank you also to everyone who voted for us in the recent my Road cast competition unfortunately we didn't win but we were completely overwhelmed with love and support and we thank you all so much peace